Hello, and welcome to Maine Golf Talk. We are your hosts, Zach Zonlo and Henry Fall. In these podcasts, we'll be discussing what makes Maine Golf so special. We'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as both players and coaches. We'll also branch out to discuss hot topics in the game and chat with special guests to hear their stories. All to keep you in the know and help you improve your game. Let's get into today's podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Maine Golf Talk. We are joined by the Director of Instruction at the Woodlands Club, Paul Piveronis. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, we certainly appreciate it. Um, so uh, before we get right into it and you know your, some of your background, uh, how about that round by Caleb Emanuel the other day at Brunswick? Caleb's he's uh, unbelievable. He just keeps getting better and better, and that was pretty impressive what he did, especially on the on the back nine. Yeah, and he made a bogey, I think, on six or five. Yeah, yeah. Looking, I think he was eleven under through ten holes <laughs> in the stretch. That's you know you don't even see that on the tour very often, if at all. That's uh, that's quite incredible. Absolutely. Um, so. Paul, if you can talk us, uh, you know, a little bit about your background growing up in Maine and, and, and how you got into the game, uh, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I basically moved from Connecticut when I was seven years old up, up in Union, Maine. And I, I lived on kind of a farm at 25 acres. And I was a big baseball player and my brother was a good baseball player. And what happened was, I must have been 11 years old and I was waiting for a ride home from school and the Madomic Valley golf coach who lived a little bit down the road came by and he said to my brother and I, Hey, do you guys want to play golf? And we said, well, well, we got to be back for six o'clock and we got a little league game. He goes, Oh, you know, I'll get you guys back. No problem. So long story short, he, he paired us with the number one player on the team which was an absolute, um, the worst thing that could have happened to, to Clyde Young, who Clyde Young used to be the superintendent at Brunswick. Um, I topped every shot. I shot 68 for nine holes, but I was hooked. And we got to our Little League game at, I want to say, 7 o'clock. Got a severe tongue lashing from the coach, but I was hooked. So we, my brother and I just kind of built a little golf course at our house, and we sunk an old coffee can in the ground and got a flag off one of our bicycles and got some old clubs and we would get up in the morning and we'd play from, you know, sun up to sundown. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think I remember when I was a kid putting coffee cans in the ground too. Good way to, you know, hit some short shots around the house and stuff. So, yeah. And then uh, as far as high school, college, any, any golf, competitive golf there and, yeah, I, I went to uh, Madomic Valley and uh, played on the on the golf team, and that was a spring sport at the time. So it was pretty wet, but that was that was a lot of fun. And then I uh, I actually had to move down to Portland. I went to Chevres, and then uh, I went to Murray State in Kentucky for one year and played golf. 
and actually I kind of got burned out on golf when I was about 18, 19 years old. And I took, took some time off, did some traveling, went to, you know, I went to USM and then I just kind of came back into, into the golf when I was, uh, probably 23, 24. If we can talk about that, um, so you said you got burned out. Have you seen, you know, junior junior golfers come through your stable at some point that just, you know, they grind, they grind, they grind, and then by the, you know, the time they are in college or just after high school, they just they just kind of need a break. Um, have you ever dealt with that? And, and what would you recommend to, to maybe some junior golfers out there that, uh, you know, are, are playing a lot, practicing a lot, and, and competing a lot? Well, yeah, I mean, I've had a few, a few students, but you know, it's, it's really up to the individual who, who has the desire to play. And if they really, really want to do it, they'll figure out a way to find that balance so that they don't get burnt out. But, you know, nowadays where you've got a lot of, you know, athletes that are concentrating on one sport and especially in Maine, it's hard to do that unless you're doing it indoors. But, uh, you know, my my suggestion and advice to anybody, you know, especially juniors, is to find that balance, and do things, you know, when you're, you know, when you're not in the golf season, if you're, you know, not able to play and practice indoors, and just to keep that those golf muscles going. You don't have to have a huge training regime, but you know, I've been lucky. I've I haven't had too many students that have that have kind of burnt out. Yeah, I guess and that brings me back to to Caleb for a second. You know, I, I heard he was out playing, I don't know, a week or two ago, and it was like 50 degrees out, pouring rain, and, and there he was at Brunswick. And uh, But, you know, he loves the game, and he, he obviously has fun with it too. And I think that's important is that, you know, when you grow up and golf becomes your passion is that you have fun. And um, over time, if it becomes just work, unless you're, I guess, out on the PGA Tour, it, it can become kind of tiring and, uh, you know, keeping that passion, that fun alive is, I think, an important part of it. Absolutely. And, and especially when you have, uh, you know, the chance to go and practice when the weather isn't that good. I mean, you're going to really find out the kind of person you are, the golfer that you are, when, you know, the wind's blowing sustained 15 or 20 and how many people like to play golf in the wind? Not too many. Yeah. And if you can, if you can learn to play in the wind, or when it's rainy, when it's wet, you you have the advantage. You know that because right. it eliminates ninety five percent of the people or more. And a guy like Caleb, I mean, it's if it's snowing, he, I mean, I know he he shovels off, you know, a, a patch where he can hit balls. He doesn't care. You know, you you just can't find that every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you get back into the game. Um, talk us through, you know, how you got into instruction and where that, that passion sort of started for you. Well, you know, I, I got back into golf. I started working uh, at a retail shop in South Portland in the late 80s. And Dave Dyer was a huge influence on me. He passed away a few years ago. He, he was just a really, really good, simple instructor. And when I was working at, at that retail shop, um, I did a little bit of, you know, teaching 
I, I just always, with his help, just looked at the at the simple things, you know, your setup, and you know your posture, and just how you moved your body to create, you know, the wind up, the backswing. And so I, you know, I, I just kind of got intrigued. I also wanted to play too. So that didn't last very long for me to, you know, to work there. And I, I would go to Florida and I didn't have a lot of money. So we just scrounged our way to be able to play public golf courses. And, and then, and then when the woodlands opened, I got a job at the woodlands, you know, cleaning carts and working at the range. And Brian Abbott was the head professional, an, another great mentor. And I got to tell you, if you're, if you're in the golf business, you've got to find someone and Henry, you know this, that you've got to find someone who can really mentor you and help you navigate what you're doing and kind of let you find your own way. And so, you know, Dave Dyer and then Brian Abbott, the Woodlands, uh, just a great influence and got me into teaching a little bit. Again, I was still trying to play, but I was always intrigued about you know, what, what made it happen, what made the golf swing happen. And I worked at the Woodlands for about a year. And my, my parents had a friend from Japan who was a successful businessman. And he basically sponsored me. And that was, that was the thing that, that totally got me down to Florida, to Lake Nona, where I, I call that the, that was the Mecca of golf for me. That was utopia when I would drive through the gates at Lake Nona and a kid from Maine, you know, driving through the gates and you get to a place where, you know, there isn't a blade of grass that's out of place. So I was able to get a, a winter seasonal membership at Lake Nona and I played the mini tours and I had a little bit of success and, you know, a quick story. The first day I was at Lake Nona, you know, Nikki Price is uh, just a great golfer and big idol of mine. And I was on the putting green and 10 feet away was Nick Price. And I, I my hands were shaking and I was like, man, I got to go up and, and introduce myself and say hello. And, and I did. He was the nicest guy. He gave me a putting lesson and I've been friends with him ever since. So that was a huge, huge thing. And, and like, Every day I would come to Lake Nona, there would be more tour players, more European tour players. It was just a great influence um, on me, not only playing, but then I took a lesson from one of David's assistants, Simon Holmes, this young kid. I think I was at the time 25 or 26. And I had this 22-year-old kid from Wake Forest, this English kid, like telling me what to do. But it opened my eyes I mean, I thought I knew a little bit about the golf swing, but that's when I really started to go, wow, that's, that's how you swing a golf club. <laughs> and so for me getting a little bit more, and it wasn't so much technical. It was just, you know, this is, this is what anybody that's any good, this is what they have to do. And if you're not doing that, then guess what? You're not going to have a consistent repeating swing. So that's, that's kind of what I focused on was, you know, trying to play my own game, but at the same time, finding myself when I would play, especially with my friends or in practice rounds, I'd always be looking at everyone's swing and I'm like, man, this guy needs to do this or this guy needs to do that. And so it kind of morphed into, 
you know, as my playing career kind of wound down and, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't a world beater, but I wasn't terrible either. All right. So you come back to Maine and you start the Woodlands Club. Tell me about that, uh, that facility, what it's done for you. And then, uh, you know, getting started in instruction up here in Maine again. Oh, well, I, I came back to, uh, you know, to Maine in 95. Um, and was teaching at Falmouth Country Club, and then I went to Portland Country Club, and then in 99, I had a chance to be the teaching professional at the Woodlands, and that's where I've been ever since, and it's a great facility. You know, there's there's plenty of, uh, you know, good turf, and, you know, they got some good putting greens, and it's a good environment just to, for me to set up and and just have, you know, a good good facility to teach, and you know, mentor and, and coach my students, and that's kind of what I've been doing for the last twenty one years, Henry. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great facility, obviously, and um, you know, they got a few practice screens now and driving range. I mean, it's honestly probably one of the, the best places in my mind to coach out of, and I'm uh, you know, it's a it's an awesome spot you found there, and so. Let me ask you this. So as a new student or, you know, maybe someone that's been playing for a long period of time and maybe they've been a little reluctant to get a lesson from a, an instructor, what's that look like? If I show up for a lesson with you, talk me through, uh, you know, how that might look outside of just some of the basic changes you might give me. How does that process work if I, you know, come down to see you for like an hour, hour and a half to start out with? Well, I, I would first ask you, why did you come here and what can I do for you? You know, and what is your, what is, what is your plan as a golfer going forward? What do you really need help with? And then I look at you from a physical standpoint, you know, what's your body type? What's your personality like? You know, are you going to be able to practice? You know, how often are you going to play? And really what are your expectations when, when you're going out to play? And then we can just build a, a, a program that allows you, the golfer, to get some instruction from me because I don't want to overcoach. I don't want to get too technical because it's about not so much me and what I'm doing. It's about what can I do to help you get to the point where when you're going out and play, to play golf and you hit every shot, you're trying to get more consistent which is, as you know, a big word that we always get as instructors. <laughs> I want to be more consistent. Well, why are you not consistent? And I've always been the guy that says, why aren't you hitting it farther? Why can't you compress the ball? So you got to figure out it's cause effect. And when you make a plan with a, with a student, now I'm throwing the ball in your court so that you you got to do your part as much as I'm doing my part. So I'm going to give you 110%. You got to give me 110% back. That's what I expect in my, of my students. And if they were all like Caleb, I, I'd be a very happy guy because, <laughs> you know, he, he just crushes it, you know, quite literally, but you know, it's, it's, it's about, you know, just doing the little things as, as a golfer, and, and start looking at the big picture rather than, okay, fixing little things. And then it's a process, 
you know, and, and that's another thing that I'm quick to tell people. Don't expect me to wave my magic wand over you in an hour. And all of a sudden you go from being where you were to where you need to be because it's not going to happen. So I need a commitment from you so that you can do the work. You can learn about <clears throat> your golf swing and the golf swing, which is quite different. Yeah. And how, how can you get better on your own? And then, and then it's a journey, man. It's a process. I think so many, so many people view golf coaches and instructors. They, they almost view them like a doctor. Like they're going to go in for their, their checkup or, you know, go in for some prescription that's going to cure their faults in one lesson. It's really more like a, a fitness program. Like if you're trying to lose 50 or hundred pounds over the course of a year. That's like trying to lose 10 shots off your round on average, you know? So it's, I feel like, uh, you know, as students, yeah, you, you gotta be committed to that work as well. And, you know, just like Paul, I sure, I'm sure you have some, uh, some feels and drills and, uh, practice regimens that you implement with your students. And it's, it's on us as students to stick to those, you know, obviously with time constraints and how busy we all are in this, in this day and age, it's, it can be challenging, but, when you are out on the course or on the driving range or practice screen, it's taking the time to really stick to stick to the program. Right. Absolutely. And you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. I've, I've been doing a, a lot of, you know, research and you know, if you can get in front of a mirror, you know, that sliding glass door, that window behind you, a mirror, yeah. if you're in the office, you're in the gym. If people could work out, for 10 minutes on their golf swing, once they go to the gym, you got to be able to see what you do and you got to feel it. That makes all the difference in the world. Because if you can't see what you're doing and you can't feel it, well, how are you going to get any better if you don't know what you're trying to do? You're trying to feel that thing. And most yeah. people don't, they can't equate what it feels like on a consistent basis, what it's like to hit a shot consistently well. And the, you know, that feel that you talked about, it's so, it's so personalized too and unique to the, the individual. And, you know, I find sometimes in lessons where it's like, I'll give something to one person and it'll be the same basic thought or lesson for the next person, but it just doesn't translate. So I have to find another way of communicating that feel. I'm sure you've, you've kind of had to go through that before. And I don't know, have you read the big miss? I have. Book? Sure have. Yeah. And you probably, you probably remember that part that he talked about. Uh, I can't remember the tournament Tiger was playing in, but might have had a poor round or something. And then that night, Haney gave him a field to work on in a mirror. Um, I think it was something to do with his, his right forearm elbow getting more in front of him, possibly. I can't, I can't recall. But And Tiger did that in his bathroom mirror for four hours that night up until like two in the morning. And he's a notoriously bad sleeper. So it makes sense. He was up late. And then he went out and shot like 65 the next day, and took the lead. And as you say, it's not always seeing the ball or, or even hitting a ball. A lot of it's just feel. And, um, you know, that's why I, I try to give a lot of sort of athletic movements and, and feels outside of the golf course and I'm sure you, you kind of do the same thing too. Yeah. And, and outside of 
swinging a golf club. Yeah. I mean, if you're an athlete, you're going to, you're going to have some chance of hitting a golf ball. And if you can equate it to throwing a ball, skipping a stone is probably the best way yeah. to, to really get someone to figure out what it's like to swing a golf club, especially if, you know, a pitch shot, you know, you know, most people have a hard time hitting a 50 yard pitch shot with a wedge. Well, if you skip a stone, think about it now, instead of, instead of you having a rock in your hand, now you got a golf club, just keep, keep, you know, your eyes somewhere near the ball and you're going to probably make contact and you'll surprise yourself how well you'll hit it. So it's just simple things. And, and, and really it's, it's about making it fun for people because as you said, when, you know, especially new golfers, it's very intimidating to take lessons. And that's why I just try to put people at ease and say, listen, we're going to have fun. And I always start with the short game. I typically go from putting to chipping, pitching. Everybody wants to go. The first thing they want to do, I want to go to the drive, driving range. I want to take the driver out. I want to smash the driver. Well, if you come, if you come see me, you're going to have to wait a little bit, especially if you've never swung a golf club. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, it goes back to having fun as well and getting them started. And I, every lesson I've had has always been probably the most fun I've had on a golf course, honestly, because it's just, it's interesting to hear different um, coaches' standpoints and, and learn some new fields. So, so Paul, I don't want to keep you too much longer here, but uh, I, I did want to ask you real quick about your thoughts on, on fundamentals. Um, you know, is it the old posture grip alignment or are there others that you feel there are, or, or maybe there aren't any fundamentals? What, what's your kind of standpoint on that? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Cause it's, it's so important. It is the cornerstone of your golf swing. So for me personally, I'm all about fundamentals. Now the, the grip I can look past, but I cannot look past someone's posture or their alignment because that is the thing that most people, when they go out and play, they really fail. So when you get up out of your posture, you're not gonna be able to let your body move properly. And if you're not aimed properly, then you're gonna to have to manipulate that golf club to get the golf club to hit the ball where you're wanting to go. So, I mean, in that's why I try to get as you know, we start getting into lessons and, and a little bit more advanced. It's more, it's more about the fundamentals and a routine on the range so that you can take it from the golf, the, the range to the golf course. Cause how many times have you heard people say, oh, I'm a great range player. I can't take it to the golf course. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And you talked to me at, at one point, we talked about ball position too. And, you know, yeah. Ball position is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. But definitely alignment and posture in my book, so important. And you, you, you've got to have those, especially when you're out playing, because anybody who's right-handed aims too far to the right. I rarely see people aim too far to the left. Yeah. So Paul, we got uh, two minutes left on this zoom call because of the restrictions they put on us. But uh, so I'm going to go off our, our wicked fire round here real quick. Okay. You just, you just go right through these and, 
Uh, so your favorite course in Maine? Cape Arundel. If you were to take a lesson from one coach in the history of the game, who would it be? Ben Hogan. Best ball striker you ever saw in person? Nick Price. Best short game you ever saw in person? Savvy Ballesteros. Best putter you ever saw in person? Ben Crenshaw. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, Paul, we, we really appreciate you coming on and we'll, we'll have to get you back on the show sometime. And, you know, you've had some great students. I, I remember Chelsea Barrett playing growing up with him and, and he was a, he was a great player too, going against Jordan Spieth in the uh, U.S. junior and everything he accomplished. But, you know, you win the 2003 PGA section teacher of the year. And I mean, I've always seen him as one of the best instructors in the state, probably the best in my mind. So we, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing some knowledge and we'll have to get you on again sometime soon. Well, Henry, I really appreciate you inviting me and uh, anytime you want me to come back, just let me know. All right. That's the coach of Mr. 59. Hill Manuel. That's our coach, uh, Paul Piveronis. You can follow us on Instagram at main golf talk and Facebook at main golf talk. And if you are on iTunes listening to us there. We appreciate any ratings and reviews you can offer. And this has been another episode of Main Golf Talk. Mm -hmm.